Hey everyone, you're listening to Spark, where we amplify the voices of the Middle East startup, tech, and innovation ecosystem. I'm your host, Shireen, and along with our guests, we share with you expert insights on the latest and most relevant news. Our goal is to help you easily digest trending topics and be better equipped to know what to make of it all. Hey everyone, today is episode three of our seven-part collaboration series with 500 Startups. And in today's episode, I sit down with Togrel Samad, who's the founder and CEO of Buglands, which is a crowdsourcing testing platform that utilizes the power of the people to revolutionize the software testing industry. See, this wasn't obvious to me at first, but if you noticed, Buglands starts with the word bug. And what they effectively do is they help companies in the tech space find bugs. Now, I didn't know that this was actually a pretty complicated process. So in today's episode, we discuss the reasons why bugs go unnoticed, how to leverage the power of the masses to test for bugs. And then we talk a little bit about business. So we explore how to ensure employees are equipped to communicate with each other, as well as different types of leadership styles in new startups. Now, Togrel is a serial entrepreneur, problem solver, and a chief executive with 15 years of experience in promoting e-commerce websites, mobile apps, and games. Now, unique to his episode is he actually sits in Azerbaijan. So today will be the first interview that I have with someone located over in that part of the side of the world. Now, without further ado, let's jump to today's episode. Tauguru, welcome to Spark. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's a great pleasure to be a part of your podcast. My absolute pleasure for having you on. Tell me, Tauguru, where are you dialing in from? From Azerbaijan. All right. I sense the foreign accents. I don't want to guess. Azerbaijan is pretty interesting. I think a lot of people from this part of the world, from Dubai, go to Baku on holiday, and I've heard very wonderful things. What's the Azerbaijan startup scene like? The ecosystem here is uh, very young. And onto your business. I believe that you guys operate in the world of tests and testing. More importantly, I guess, uh, gathering customer feedback whenever products are being launched, correct? Can you please explain a little bit about how Boglance works? So we are a crowdsource testing platform. Basically, we are Uber for testing. So on one side, we have uh, users who have uh, mobile phones and desktop devices. So they use them to test apps, mobile websites, web desktop websites, and they find bugs, report them, and we moderate them. We, we categorize them by severity, by uh, category. And then the clients are receiving lots of issues from their software. And our business model is we have a commission on each bug. Uh, so you motivate people to find the bugs more than just test, correct? Yeah, exactly. It's uh, more like bug hunting and testing. Uh, we have two brands in our company. One is Buglands for clients and Bug Hunter for uh, tester community. So we, we call them Bug Hunters. Oh, got it. So a bug like an insect bug. I get it now. Interesting. And how do you go about finding people who would, you know, hop on bug lands and sit and hunt for bugs? Very interesting question. Actually, uh, the philosophy behind of it is that uh, you don't need to be a professional driver to take someone from point A and drive to point B. The only thing what you need is a car. We say the same about testing. Like you don't need to be a professional tester or auto-shoot specialist to find bugs in software. The only thing what you need is a mobile phone. And everyone, like while we're using any software, 
software or games or apps, we always see bugs and this frustrates us. And as a result, we go to the Play Store app store and leave a negative feedback. Mm. Uh, so as a result, Google Play reduces organic traffic to the application. That's what we saw. Like Augmas uh, helps companies to see all kinds of issues on all kinds of devices before they go to production and fix it before they go to production. I have a question though. If a, if a bug is obvious enough in an application that I as a non-technical user will spot it, how did that bug even come about to begin with? Why didn't people within the tech team find that bug before it was published? Great question. The, the thing here is that you cannot find all kinds of bugs in your laboratory or in your in-house testing team. Why? Because there are tons of different devices in the market. Like there are more than 20,000 unique devices on Android. And as a result, when you test it internally, you can miss some bugs which are affecting devices of users, but you don't have those devices in-house. This is one reason. Another reason is the user behavior. So it's not predictable. So when you do it in-house, you have scenarios that you follow to test. But users are trying completely different things. And as an example, you have a registration through SMS and uh, you don't know that a Ukrainian phone numbers do not receive SMS in Dubai. But some of customers are tourists. When you tested, you tested it with local operators, not all kind of mobile operators that are active in, in Dubai. So as a result, you lose the customer just because they couldn't sign up. So in the absence of bug lands, how do companies go about identifying and fixing bugs? Or in other words, before bug lands, how were software developers catching and fixing bugs? So there, uh, it depends on uh, the company size and the product. So in small companies, like usually developers are testing their own software themselves, which results with uh, talent waste. Like instead of writing a code, they do some monkey job, which is very harmful for business in terms of cost. They have bias. Uh, another problem is time to production. Bigger companies who are agile who are, are releasing new versions of application like every week, every two weeks. They have very limited time to test it. Actually, the reason why I started the Buglens was that before Buglens, I was doing mobile games. Every time when we, when we go to production, we were facing tons of negative feedback because of some failure. And this was reducing our uh, rating. That, like one of the more scariest nightmare uh, was that we released a new game version to production. Every gamer lost their progress in the game. So I have a question. Now you just said something interesting. You said because you were on the produ- on the production side and you faced this problem as a business, you then realized that this problem existed and hence came about building a solution to the problem. Now. In the absence of someone having experienced this, how do you guys as a company go about your B2B sales to educate um, developers that they need to work with a platform like yours in order to, you know, get better customer feedback, experience, bump up their ratings and so on and so forth? That, that's a problem that I was solving for the last two years, uh, which is B2B sales. All my previous business experience were B2C. So it was mm-hmm. very tough for me to switch my mindset from B2C to B2B. And it's pretty simple. Why? Because we're solving too many different pains for too many different kinds of customers. They have some common things like they should be agile. They should be developing a B2C software, not a B2B software and so on. But all of them are different. Hmm. So our approach is that we treat customers as custom as we can. Like 
we, we give them custom pricing, give custom prices and so on based on, on the pains that we are solving for them. So for each company, we're solving completely different pains. That's why during a discovery call, the first stage of our sales process is a discovery call when we make customers to call uh, and to tell their own frustrations, their mm. own pains. You help them identify they have the problem, basically. They are aware of their own problems in, in most cases, but they never think about this uh, deeply. When you talk to them and uh, make them talk, uh, guiding them and asking right questions, you can find enough insights about their business, uh, their development process and so on, and pain points. And then we use these pain points to sell them uh, the service. Like we have, as I said, like our solution, so many different problems for different companies. We use their own pain and we, we show only solution to the exact problems that they have. Uh, so that helps to focus on customers' pains, not uh, showing a feature sets of your product and say that, oh, we have a nice button here, mm. a nice button there. We just focus on the problems that they have. Are your team members doing the discovery calls, uh, technical people as well, who are able to speak technical lingo to anyone kind of answering the phone on the other line? Of course, it's, it's good if a salesperson knows enough about technical stuff and the software development process. But after a while, when you have sales processes in place, sales script and uh, the FAQ and so on, uh, you just train a salesperson to answer questions in the right way. It becomes a routine work. Like they just ask questions, they get a reply, which mm. is predictable. Uh, and depending on their replies, they ask the next question and they just execute the scenarios that you already written. Maybe because I'm a solo founder, I'm trying to have a full view of everything. And this works for me. Maybe for someone, things that won't work well. I, I prefer to, to be aware of all processes and all problems in the company and try mm. to solve it in the most efficient way. Mm. I, I think that that naturally comes down to leadership style. You know, I know that there are some CEOs who find it valuable to walk around various departments and floors in their buildings in order to understand what's happening on ground. And meanwhile, some other CEOs believe that you should delegate and find the right people you, who you trust to delegate to. So it's a bit of a leader. It's a bit of a debate between leadership styles there, I would say. Yeah. In my opinion, you should combine both. Of course, like great companies are built around great people, but you also need to be aware of the problems that you have in each department because usually managers believe and think that they can solve this problem so they don't report it. Then you see how it affects and how, how it becomes a bigger problem when it's harder to solve it. So it is better to know about problem about existence of problems when they're small than as they come to you and say, you know, we didn't inform you because we thought that we will solve this problem ourselves. Hmm, for sure. All right. Togu, thank you very much for your time. It's been wonderful speaking to someone in a country that I haven't interviewed yet, which is Azerbaijan. Nice to meet you too, and thank you for inviting me. My absolute pleasure. Thanks for tuning in today. Don't forget to subscribe to future episodes on your podcast listening platform of choice. And whilst you're there, leave a review and rate our show so that other aspiring innovators can find it. To find a summary of our discussion today and links to our guests, 
access our show notes by visiting our website, sparkwithshireen.com. If you don't want to miss out on future announcements, subscribe to our newsletter or follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at sparkwithshireen. Before you go, I'd like to let you know that we love hearing from our listeners. If you have any comments or suggestions for future episodes, including guest or topic recommendations, drop us a message through our website or social platforms. If you didn't have a pen or paper handy to write all this down, don't worry. We've gone ahead and added all these links in the episode description. All you have to do is scroll down and click when you have a moment. As always, thank you for listening and see you next time.